Welcome to Social PR Secrets, the podcast. My name is Lisa Beyer, and I'll be your host. I love following Peg on all of her social media channels. She is a social media strategist at heart, and she also is extremely talented when it comes to creativity and design. If you look at her website, her social channels, her Pinterest boards especially, and her Instagram aesthetic, everything is to a T. Peg also is an author of the book, The Art of Social. She wrote this book with Guy Kawasaki, and I had the pleasure today of interviewing Peg and taking a deep dive into her tips on social media strategy. We are going to get started here with our next guest speaker, Peg Fitzpatrick, and her name might sound familiar um, because she is actually the co-author of our book that we're using for our class with Guy Kawasaki, and there's Peg's name on the on the cover too. Hey, Peg. Hey, I like to visit that in every bookstore I go to. <laughs> right? Yeah, very fun. So, um, so everyone here in the audience is already reading your book, and we love it. Lots of great feedback from it, so thanks for putting that time into it. Fantastic. Thanks, everybody, for reading it. I know it's assigned, but still thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those books that they don't sell back to what I've heard. So that's a good sign. Cool. So we're talking about social media strategy. And I know, Peg, that is definitely a broad topic here. But what, um, you know, you, you are inside of big brands like Google and Audi and Canva and um, inside the, the social media strategy part. So what can you tell us are some of the, um, the action items that future social media managers that are here watching our interview can, can take hold of and take action on? Such a good question. Social media strategy, you know, it really evolving social media. It's like something that was, we were just saying right before we came on, like Google Hangouts are going away. What's next? Blab was a big thing. That's already gone. Like things change so fast. Technology just, even if it's got money behind it and people are using it, it's really a challenge. I saw one, I don't know if you saw the Washio app. It was this um, dry cleaning thing where you could like go in the app and have people pick up your dry cleaning and they raised like seven million dollars and it closed already i know it's crazy like, it's where like, did that money go and how did that you know it's like technology it's so it's strategy continues to evolve and i think before we used to have this more like be on every single social platform and be everywhere and you have to be everywhere and i think as time's going on it's it's turning more into a um be really great on the platforms where you have the time to do it and don't try to be everywhere at least that's how i've changed my social strategy because um it's just not possible to be on every social channel and do a great job. So a lot of the big brands actually have social media channel managers just for one channel. So for example, like a big company like Audi or a Motorola would have somebody who only manages Instagram, who only manages Facebook. And then they still might have an agency that they work with on top of that to help with creative and overall strategies and things like that. And I think that, you know, with the big brands, they have the most money, but I think sometimes their ideas are good, like, and they trickle down, not that a small business owner can have, you know, a, one person for each thing, but as a social media manager, I think becoming more specialized is important. Um, like, so you could be that person who manages Instagram and knows like every single part of it, like 
Facebook just continues to get more complicated. Like every time you turn it on, you're like, what did you do to the back end, Facebook? It's just, it's so complicated back there with ads and, you know, insights and all the things in there. So um, I think specializing as, as we're evolving is becoming more important. What do you think, Lisa? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I mean, we were just talking about Facebook um, and how it's, you know, we've both pretty much been with Facebook since it started, but if you're just coming in right now to Facebook, I can't even imagine wrapping my brain about around it and knowing the ad side and knowing also the organic side, it's, it's impossible. So I think that's a great point to really specialize in a channel. Um, mm -hmm. And what are some other just things that should be on a checklist from, you know, when creating a social media strategy for even, um, you know, small to medium sized brand or even a personal brand? Well, you know, I think it's kind of looking at the bigger picture of things and mixing your things in it. You know, like the strategy part is like you have your business goals and objectives and things that you want to, you know, like say, say you're an, an author because Lisa, you're an author as well. Like if you're an author and you want to market your book, so you're going to have a strategy for your launch and you're going to work on, you know, getting all the pieces ready for the book launch, but then you still have to do regular social media. So you're maybe in like, other content so you're not just talking about yourself. So it's kind of the strategies of looking at the bigger picture of these are my big goals, sell a book, get people to a webinar, um, email leads for a download for something like that versus, you know, then you have like your day-to-day -day stuff. So you kind of mix the two together and that's kind of where your strategy is of, you know, reaching people where they are, where they're having the conversation. So it's kind of like seeing who your audience is, what their ages are, and then um, finding content that will be interesting to them if they're college students, obviously your class is college students. So maybe Snapchat is the most interesting place for them to be. So then it's visual storytelling and, you know, doing cool things with the app with the filters and the, you know, adding your bitmoji and, you know, staying hip on all the like current stuff, you know, that just, just managing Snapchat in an effective way does take strategy, especially something like Snapchat where it's only a story and it has to be a really good story. Otherwise people are going to skip through, you know, tap through, scroll to the next one. You know, you're going left, going left. So in, in a market where it's so like fast paced and it needs to be really interesting, that you need to be even better there, which I think is one of the ways that made it made Snapchat a challenge for brands. But I think a lot of them, you know, immediately outsourced to big agencies or grab influencers like um, Sean Duras, you know, people who are just, they were like, awesome. I can tell stories. They're immediately like drawing on it to make like awesome things. And like some of the artwork I saw in the really early Snapchat, I was like, what the heck? How did they even do? Like, I was like, how did they even do that? Did you, did you think that when you saw them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was just so like, I really want to figure it out. And I mean, it's so creative. I mean, the, now with the, the whole Snapchat artists and filter makers. And I mean, it's just, that's created this whole niche of a uh, design industry. I think it's really cool. And yeah. I, mean, I just love watching what's happened with Snapchat over the past year. It's just completely, I mean, exploded is not even the word. It's I know. Really and it's, and it is, it's so creative. Um, I read something a while ago that was talking about jobs that will never be outsourced in the future. You know, you look at so many jobs in the past that don't even exist anymore. Like 
being a secretary, which, you know, being an administrative assistant, everybody types their own email, everybody like, there's so many jobs that have just dissolved, but the things that you can't outsource, that you can't like just have a robot do are creative things. Exactly. Creating art and writing. So being in social media to me is like the ultimate creative job because you're making art, you're making, you know, your copy needs to be creative and your writing needs to be awesome, which is one of the things I love about it. I love that no day is the same and it's all creative and fun. I mean, fun, I'm saying, like fun, let's do a social media campaign. That's fun. (laughs) For me, it is probably for you. It is maybe everybody now, but. Yeah, I mean, I love the vision and creative side of it, definitely. And speaking of visual and creative, I mean, Peg, you are seriously, like, I, I mean, you're so creative and cre- all the visual stuff you do. I was looking at your website. I'm like, oh, I was so envious of your website. So speaking of the visual side, you're like super um, sonic on the visual side of social mm-hmm. media. So can you give some tips on visual storytelling and what are some of your favorite tools and kind of hacks and you have to be creative at the same time but there are ways to um balance it yeah i know it it, when blogging first started sorry but when blogging first started like all you need to do is like write really great content which is hard enough on its own and now with a blog you need really great visuals to go with it which is where i started like really doing visuals and then with twitter like all the social channels have evolved now to be super super visual so if you want any of your content to be seen which of course you do if you're creating great content you need to be visual so that's why i really started getting into creating better visuals and i cannot use photoshop to save my life it's great i love adobe but i can't use photoshop like i open it up and there's like a million you know i don't even know what all the tools are in there so i had to find other ways to make things that were just as good because they were going to be for big brands so i found canva which i know you like as well so i use canva a lot for my designs and i also use um spark by adobe have you tried that one I tried it. Yes. Right. Right. When it came out, I saw your Facebook live intro and loved yeah. it. So where, tell us a little bit about Spark because I know we haven't talked about it with our class. Yeah. Okay. So there's two, like Canva is a little bit more like in depth. You can move more pieces around. Adobe Spark is honestly, I think easier to use than Canva even because the, like when you put text in there, you can kind of drag and drop it and it keeps all the sizes the same. So like if this size to that size and all this, it stretches perfectly. You don't have to worry about like spacing. Like it just, it has a lot of ways that makes it easier for people who don't necessarily have time to like try to be a designer per se, but still want to make great graphics. So you can go into Adobe Spark on your phone. I love the phone app. Um, And you can create something. And also like Canva, one thing that I like about both of them is you can use it on desktop, on your iPad or your phone. I like the ability to go from one to the other because when you're working with brands, I don't necessarily want to make everything on my phone. I want to use it, you know, like on the bigger desktop so I can see things bigger, make sure it looks great. Um, And it gives you more space to work with. Like on your phone, it's technically the yeah. same size pixels, but it's not because it's a little screen and, you know, I don't know. Just it's it's cool if you want to just make like a little change or a t- there's, you know, a typo or you want to change a price or something yeah. quick after, you, yeah. after you've already designed it on your desktop. It's awesome for on the fly stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Adobe's just easy to use and I like it. Um, they have set color palettes in there. It's a little bit right now harder to use with a brand because you can't put your exact color in. But I, I just know they're going to move those th- things in because they have it all in Adobe. 
you know, I, I'm sure they're going to move to like a more professional. Um, educators are one of the groups that they really want to work with like students and teachers because teachers have to create a lot of graphics and design stuff. So um, I'm hoping that they move towards that. But there's tons of great palettes in there. They have photos in there that you can legally use with permission. They're, you know, all things that are Creative Commons acceptable, which is really important when you're creating graphics. You don't want to just grab something from Google and use it because that's not okay, which I'm sure you probably talk about all that in your class. Uh, yeah, yep. <laughs> but it's even important to know that there's some apps, actually some that I even used to use, that, you know, based on their agreement, their terms of service, you can't use them for commercial purposes. And let's be honest, like no one ever reads the whole terms of service. But there was a couple that I used that I stopped using because you can't use them for commercial purposes. So anything you create in Canva or Adobe, you can use, you know, on your business account and your personal account. So those things are important. Like, it's hard to stay on top of all of the intricacies, but make sure that you follow some people who do follow all those things to make sure that you stay up, especially when you guys are brand managers out in the world. You know, you're gonna have so much to manage. Make sure there's a couple people that you follow or like maybe just a couple big blogs like Social Media Examiner, you know, that you read on a regular basis because they have the top people writing for them and then they, they're up to date on stuff. So um, it's important to figure out ways once you're out in the world doing these things. Like it's great to learn in college, that's amazing, but it is gonna change so rapidly as, you, as it keeps going um, which I know you Millennials love <laughs> I know you love that but when you get out into the workplace it does make it a challenge so finding people who you know stay up to date on things like that was something that I learned from somebody else so apps that apps and tools that you can legally use all the stuff that's important too that's a great point and so one of the other things I wanted to ask you Peg is so you're a brand ambassador um, guys and evangelists for Canva so how does that fit into the social media strategy? And I know that's a broad question too. So maybe yeah. you just give us an example of how you're, you, you're doing it. And right. How brands approach so, so brand ambassadors and evangelists are two different things. Like guy being evangelist, that is something that not a lot of brands have big evangelists. Of course, guy made, made it a really, like everybody wants to do that because who wouldn't want to be that? But um, his is more like evangelizing. He actually does networking and he helps connect Canva with more people. So it's similar to brand ambassadorship, but like brand ambassadorship with like the things that I've done. And like, of course you see the Kardashians and Selena Gomez, people, you know, big, huge stars are doing it and they make a lot of money from brands. Um, Selena Gomez is the most followed person on Instagram. She had a Pepsi, no, I think it was Coke, sorry, um, a Coke campaign where they had the song lyrics from her song and she did like this really awesome picture. It was like, it's the most liked photo ever on Instagram. It's an ad. Wow. For, that was a brand ambassador thing. She's working with tons of brands like Louis Vuitton and like she's at the highest, highest level. So we can assume she makes millions for doing that. Me, on the other hand, don't make millions, but I still, I love what I do. I, um, social media, one of the things that's hard about it is either you work for a company and make money or people who are trying to not work for a company and just do brand ambassadorships and things. That's a hard way to go because there's people that have millions of followers, celebrities, of course, you know, the big brands want to work with, but there's been studies that have shown that people who are have smaller amounts of people like 5,000 to 50,000 Instagram followers are micro influencers was the term that they use. Those people actually have more engaged audiences 
So smaller audiences can actually, you can actually reach more people because if Lisa and I post about something that we love, you know, like for example, the Adobe video, like I, I did that as a brand ambassador, but I love social media design and people who follow me know that I love talking about tools and that I only share things that I actually use and that I really do love, whether I'm a brand ambassador or not. Like I never, I think that's one of the important things is that people stay true and authentic to who they are. Like it really needs to fit with who you are and what you, what you talk about. And that makes a successful brand ambassador partnership. So that's, I think where a lot of brands find people on Instagram. A lot of brands do connect right in direct message and say, Hey, I have this blog. I'd love to work with you on this. Um, so they look for people whose Instagram feeds they would like, who post things in a really, you know, organic, interesting way that have people that are engaged in their comments that are commenting. And so they will connect directly on the social platform. Also, brands will look on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the one place that people do not realize, but brands will go through all your LinkedIn to see if you're professional, what you're working on, what you're doing. So if you guys haven't done it yet for an assignment, I hope you have, but if you haven't, make sure your LinkedIn is set up and keep it current with what you're working on um, because brands will look for that as well as um, people who are looking to hire you in social media. So that was kind of surprising one. One of the brands that my friends work for, it's a very large credit card company, very large, like we may have one of them in our wallet. Um, they looked back through all of our social for like a year. Wow. So they really That's... scoped through everything to see if she was a good fit. Yeah, the LinkedIn tip is a great tip too, because I've the same thing, helping brands connect with um, influencers and they might be incredible on Instagram, but then they don't even have a profile on LinkedIn. And it's like, right. okay, we, how does that happen? But I know. And I actually got that from several big brands told yeah. me that's, I asked them specifically at conferences, like, how do you dis, how do you find people? Where do you connect with them? I asked like PR people. Cause I was interested to know like too, I mean, it's a common question. Like how do people connect and find someone to work with? And that was one of the places that um, people just didn't think about, but that's what the influence, you know, that's what the brand said that um, LinkedIn, LinkedIn profile, because, because brands like it, they can send you an actual in mail, you know, that message, that little email message. Then the next thing would be like, make sure you check that every now and then, which I think everybody's bad at, honestly, but I do try to go, if you don't go there a lot, I think you can set it up so you get an email when you get a LinkedIn um, message. So you could do that if you're not going to go there a lot. Um, but it was really important. So it's, you know, people think it's not important, but it's a place where you can make money. Okay. Well, thank you for that. So just a couple more questions and I know we're mm -hmm. kind of getting short on time. Yeah. So you brought up um, talking about Instagram and influencers and how, you know, the five to 10,000 um, followers might have get more exposure than the higher number. So that just brings me to the, the topic of algorithms and mm -hmm. Facebook's algorithm. And now Instagram has an algorithm. So what do you say to like, how do you, what, what tips do you give on how to kind of break through the algorithm or stay ahead of the algorithm? Ooh, that's a good one. I mean, of course, it's always post great content, be consistent. But I think the engagement piece is more important than ever to be there to comment, respond to comment, comment on other people's things. I know in particular, like Instagram stories, now the ones that you see on the top, those are ordered by who you interact with the most. Mm. So they're deciding who's 
stories you see up there. So if Lisa has a brand ambassadorship coming up and she hasn't been on Instagram doing any stories at all and no one, she has engaged with people, people that haven't engaged with her, Instagram might not show people your stories. Yeah. I might have some catching up to do. Yeah. Yeah. So staying consistent is important. So I think the engagement piece is a lot of where the algorithms are coming in. You know, they're deciding what's popular based on how many people are. And, you know, it depends on the different social platform. They have different, I mean, I'm guessing, of course, because no one knows the true algorithm features, but on, on Facebook, you can like, comment, or share in that order, like like is the lowest then there's comment and then there's share. So Facebook says the more people who share this, the more popular it is. And on Instagram, though, I think the like is the lowest and then commenting is the highest. And there's only two people can't share on there. So the commenting, you know, because there's only two factors instead of like three on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So it makes it even more important. It's like 50% of it. But I almost think that they weigh the commenting even more to just to show people what's going on. So the engagement piece, because it's, you know, relationships and so just blasting your content out without engaging with people on your content is just, you know, kind of the kiss of death, I think, for the algorithms. Exactly, exactly. And so the last question I have, and thank you so much for this insight, is for the future social media managers that are watching this, what, what advice would you give them? Um, what are you going to look for if you're hiring a social media even entry-level social media, what's important for them to know? That's a really great question. I would say, number one, creativity, because we've already mentioned that. Um, I think that um, obviously all the education you get is great, but I think, you know, for somebody to be good at social media, it boils down to the X factor of, like, can you work under pressure? Can you type and be accurate for like spelling. And, you know, I think all that matters. I think we went a little bit backwards for a while where people were, you know, shortening words and things, but I think it's really back to like good grammar counts. Depending on the brand you work with, some of the younger, you know, hip brands do use, you know, slang and, you know, things like on fleek and like current terms and stuff. So a lot of it's like staying up on pop culture being grammatically accurate, creative, and willing to like just put put a lot of effort in because social media is a great job, but it is a hard job. Um, a lot of companies do have set hours, so it's not like you know you don't have to work all the hours, so that's good. But um, I think creativity and staying on top of the trends is really important. What do you think, Lisa? What do you look at when you're hiring? Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, you, you also have to have um, you have you have to like to be social. Yes. And that has to kind of come naturally. And a lot of times, I mean, people that aren't necessarily social and, you know, in real life are more, they're more social um, kind of behind the screen type of thing. Mm -hmm. But I also think that they, you have to have thick skin, but you also have to be super friendly. So it's yeah. just that balance of, you, you, not, you know, things personal that might come across from, let's say, if you're types of um, messaging where somebody's just irate and social and causing all kinds of problems. You yeah. can't really fight back with them. No, you can't. <laughs> um, and then maybe find one special skill that you have would, that would bring something extra, like be, be good at design. Like if you're good at, with Photoshop or video, like those are two skills that are highly marketable. Maybe not necessarily Photoshop, but design in some way that you can, you know, that you're bringing a little extra value with your social media skills. Um, because a lot of times people have to wear more than one hat. 
And I also love your tip about really being specialized in a channel, if that's possible, where you're not pigeonholing yourself that you only do, let's say, Instagram or you only do Facebook, but to say, you know, if somebody's a brand is hiring for Snapchat to, to not just know Snapchat from the, from the so, uh, personal standpoint, but also to really be, um, have that experience from the brand standpoint on that channel, because I think that that is the hardest uh, channel right now is for brands to really get their their arms around because if they're not on it, they don't understand how to hire somebody that and make sure somebody's doing it right. Right, exactly. And Snapchat is, you know, so then you would want to have examples of brands that do a good job. So you're following some brands on the channel that you decide to specialize in. And then it's not just saying they're funny or they're fun, but breaking down like, why does it work from a brand standpoint? You know, like what do they do? Do they do a Snapchat? takeover with an influencer that's really popular so they hire someone to like run their snapchat for them then they're doing the stories and doing the things so it's kind of staying up yeah picking one and just really specializing in a channel would be helpful but of course as a social media manager you probably have to really be first in all of them but just being a whiz and you know one of the newest ones i think is helpful do you yeah. have a favorite on snapchat a favorite brand so mine is warby parker i really love what they do you know, I tend to just go through the beginning and look at the things in Discover because the stuff in Discover is so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I like to just see, I like to, I do, I always like what Snapchat shows me in there. The content is incredible, for sure. Yeah, because the, the, the brands that are in there are paying so much money. They work so hard. And I'm always like scrolling down, like Cosmopolitan is one of the ones they do like funny quizzes, funny stuff, like anything in Discover is amazing. So I do like to just kind of go see what's happening on Snapchat. Like one of the things that I think they, they excel at is like every time you go, it's a new experience. You have different filters, it's choices, there's something new. They keep it super fresh. You know, where Instagram, they've made some changes, but where you can like make a flower crown today and then make a beard on yourself. Like, I don't know, like there, there's something in the bitmojis. Do you use the bitmojis on Snapchat? Yeah. Wow. That's fun as heck. I mean, that yeah. is fun. Like the, I, I use them everywhere. Now I, I tweet that I had a bitmoji before, but like integrating into there, it's just fun. It's like it's just a fun way to express brilliant. it. Brilliant. And I like to change outfits as often as I can think of it. <laughs> I do too. I'm like, I wonder, do other people change their outfit every day in their little bitmoji? Cause I'm like, Oh shoot, I wore that yesterday. <laughs> and I, yeah. I'm more like, like, I had a summer outfit and now I just changed it to kind of a back to school outfit. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And new outfits in there too. <laughs> well, Peg, thank you so much. And I just have to say, everybody, you can check out Peg's um, website at pegfitzpatrick.com. Check out all of her social channels because what she shows in Pinterest and Instagram and what she's sharing is all very creative and very on the spot. So there's so much to learn. And I, I and also we can we can also watch for you on Facebook Live too. How often are you on Facebook Live? <laughs> Um, I try to go every Friday, do a thanks a latte um, Q&A. Okay. So if you guys have questions, you can, I'm, I create a little form I'm going to start sharing. So if you see it on Twitter to ask any questions about social media, you can um, throw it in there. So maybe we'll do that as an assignment coming up is to okay. um, have one, one of your next Fridays that where everybody's going to come on. Ooh. Okay. Or, or just, and I'll try to, I'll get my link out there ahead of time then. So people okay. can ask a question. So, okay. Awesome. Yeah, we can do that during our Facebook live um, or live streaming video week, which is not for a couple weeks. So okay. I'll keep you cool. posted.
Okay, awesome. All right, well, thank you so much, Peg, and hang out for one second after we stop the broadcast, okay? Sure. Happy reading, everyone. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.